North Manchester is beautiful in the fall season, mainly because we are a town of so many trees, so many changing fall leaves. Joyce Stifler shared some of her tree pictures from Michigan in the call to worship because that's where she was recently when the beauty of the leaves caught her eye as she was taking a walk. But you don't have to go to Michigan or Pennsylvania, as I did Sunday afternoon through Tuesday evening of this past week, in order to see beautiful leaves. You can do it right here in little old North Manchester. However, let me make this side comment. The limitation of doing your fall foliage browsing here in North Manchester is that you have to do it one or two dozen trees at a time or maybe 40 or 50 trees as you travel down the road or look across your yard. But driving in Pennsylvania, as I was on Monday for my daughter's college visits, across what's known as the Seven Mountains on Route 322 between McVeigh Town and State College, or curving along Route 22 beside the Juniata River toward Huntington, as was my path on Tuesday, you get to see hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of trees turning every bright autumn color all on display all at once over and along the mountainsides. And if seeing a few dozen brightly colored fall trees at a time is wonderful, then seeing hundreds and hundreds at a time is even more amazing. But while we don't have mountainsides full of fall foliage, we do have trees in this town, lots of them, And the colors have been spectacular this year. North Manchester is beautiful in the fall season. Just saying that, however, that comment about the beauty of the town takes me back almost 20 years ago when I was preparing to come here to meet the congregation on my call Sunday. It happened near the very end of April in 2003, and we had arranged for the Sunday for me to meet this congregation and to preach my trial sermon and answer your questions before the vote was taken. We came for the whole weekend, me and Lois and little Rainer and littler Conrad, and it was Jim Garber, who was the chair of the search committee, who picked us up at the airport. And he was full of enthusiasm and anticipation on what we expected to be a good weekend. And as we came into town, just before we crossed the river, his enthusiasm took this expression. He turned to me and he said, isn't North Manchester just beautiful? Now, like I said, it was the end of April, and two things happened in North Manchester at the end of April. One of them is spring cleanup. That's when everyone puts out their junk at the end of their driveways along the sidewalk and all the stuff that they're ready to throw out, but the, when the, which the regular trash collection won't take. So old mattresses and furniture and broken household items and scrap lumber and so forth. And you who live here in town know how it is. These discards are eventually picked up by the town at the end of the week to 10 days that those things are left out. And in the meantime, people comb through the junk piles looking for scrap metal or things they might repair or reuse. It's kind of a practical way to turn someone's trash into someone else's treasure. So there are winners all around. I get stuff out of my garage and someone else finds a way to reuse it or recycle it. It's practical, but it is not beautiful. (laughs) At least not in a pleasing to the eye kind of way. So there we were coming into town and Jim said to me, isn't North Manchester just beautiful? 
And I looked at all the junk at the end of the driveway after driveway, and I didn't know what to say. (laughs) Beautiful in the sense that this is a community that organizes its junk and then pulls it all apart. What did he mean? I hesitated. Well, I'm not sure if he sensed my hesitation or not, but he plowed on. I just love the flowering trees. And that's when I saw them, the trees in bloom. Because that's the other thing that happens at the end of April in North Manchester. Yes, there was junk at the end of every driveway, but also along the streets were those various ornamental fruit trees with their flowers and the various flowering bushes as well. Isn't North Manchester just beautiful, he asked. I saw piles of junk. He saw the flowering trees. Or maybe he saw the junk too, and he was just preemptively trying to draw my eye to the flowering trees, away from the trash and toward the flowers. Later, as I knew Jim better, I guess I would say that I wouldn't have put that past him, trying to put the best face on his beloved North Manchester, as he was a pretty good salesman, truth be told. Isn't North Manchester beautiful? Yes, Jim, if you look in the right direction, it sure is. In the spring, when so many trees are in bloom, it is beautiful. And in the fall, when so many trees are in their full autumn leaf stage, it is beautiful. What strikes me, however, about both spring and fall is how fleeting the beauty is. The blooms reach their peak, and then all it takes is one stiff April shower, and the petals are all gone Or the fall leaves reach their brilliant peak of color and then one or two days of especially stiff winds and there are more leaves on the ground than on the trees. Or there's a frost or two and then a couple days of rain and all the color is gone from the tree branches and all that is left are some of those stubborn brown leaves from certain kinds of oak trees, the least beautiful of all leaves that seem to want to hang on all winter anyway. So the beauty of the trees is constantly changing, blooms, leaves, colors, dormancy, but the trees themselves continue. The leaves change, but North Manchester remains a tree city. The trees are intrinsic to this place. They are enduring In the psalm, the psalmist, of course, isn't taking note of North Manchester's beautiful trees, but he is locating beauty or loveliness in terms of place and what is intrinsic to that place. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. And what is he talking about? He isn't talking about the essence of a town. He's talking about the essence of the temple, the intrinsic dwelling place of God as the ancient Israelites thought of things. The place where God is and God endures. To them, God was in that particular place, the temple. God was naturally, essentially, and even eternally right there. And that continual presence of God is what they associated with beauty with loveliness, where God is present, that place is filled with wonder, 
with vibrancy, with blessing. And that's what this psalm is about. The loveliness, the beauty of the place where God dwells, where God is present, where God endures. So when the psalmist is talking about the courts of the Lord, when he says, my soul longs indeed, it faints for the courts of the Lord, he's talking about particular parts of the temple. In fact, he's talking about the various courtyards within the temple, the places that are either closer to or further away from the innermost courts where only particular groups of people could enter according to their identity and status, the closer to the inner court, the closer to God. That's the way they saw it. But then in the psalm, the matter of access and closeness shifts. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, continues the writer of the psalm. In other words, before we get too full of ourselves, highlighting the distinction between Gentile and Jew, woman and man, or layperson and priest, not just desiring to be close to God, but thinking of ourselves as more deserving of being close to God, I am more eligible to get closer to the inner courts than you. Remember, the psalmist counsels, that small birds fly all the way to the altar and make their nests close to the ritual center of God's presence in the temple. Have you been in cathedrals where there are birds flying to and fro in open spaces? In terms of our kind of closed-up church structure, our church architecture, birds flying around in here would be a little bit of a cause for alarm, right? And don't even get me started on bats, because I did have to remove a bat from the church one time, but that's a whole different story for a different sermon. But picture in your mind, in your memory, a time when you were in a large, old church, maybe a cathedral, and there were birds flying around. Wasn't there something beautiful about that? Movement and flight in the holy space. No one really can stop them because open doors, open windows, any opening meant to let in light and air will let in a bird. And a bird in flight is beautiful. So the temple has inner and outer courts, but the birds fly right on past those boundaries, seeking the innermost spaces, the most undisturbed spaces, like the altar space in the temple to make their nests and raise their young. And it is lovely. But then the focus of the psalm turns back to humankind, and especially to those who live and serve within the temple. Happy are those who live in your house, ever singing your praise. And that refers to the priestly class who had access, but also their, live, also their livelihood in the temple. The Levites, the priestly tribe, were musicians, gatekeepers, guardians, temple officials, judges, craftsmen, and so forth. When they were in service, they lived there in the temple because they're expected to maintain their ritual purity as they went about their tasks, their daily duties. The psalmist describes them as ones who are ever singing God's praise because they are ever in God's house. To be in the temple is to delight in being close to God. But then again, before we get too stuck in priestly privilege, in the specialness of living and working in God's house, the writer takes us back out again Onto the roads that lead there. Happy are those whose strength is in you, he proclaims, in whose hearts are the highways to Zion. In other words, physical, tangible place is important, but blessed are not just the people who are in the place, 
of beauty, of holiness, but blessed are all who remember the way there, the road that leads there, who keep such a place and a pathway in their heart. That thought is lovely too, isn't it? I'm not sure that this was the intent of the psalmist, who am I to say, but I find it striking that the dwelling place of the Lord, where the psalm begins, is, yes, a physical space with walls and gates and people who can go in and out, but it is not just a physical space. It is also a state of mind that is a place in someone's heart. And I find it striking that the place named as the place where God dwells, the physical symbol and expression of God's presence, is both a place of human habitation and a place of the nesting of birds, expressive of the beauty of the natural world. And I find it striking that the dwelling place of God is described as a place of safety and refuge and as a place of exuberance and joy. Isn't it lovely, isn't it beautiful, that although God's presence can be found within the walls of a place, that those walls are not the kind of walls that can't be passed over by even the smallest creature, that the dwelling place of God can be a physical structure but also an emotional identification, that it can be a fixed home for the faithful attendance, but also a moving identity for all who find their way home. All of that is to say that when the psalm begins with the words, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts, that the people may be singing that song in the temple, but it's not just about what is within those walls and under that roof. The beauty of God, of God's presence, is bigger. Yes, it may be found in particular places, but it is not bounded by such places Beauty is bigger. Holiness is broader. Loveliness is not limited. So I don't think that God or that expressions or experiences of God's holiness are just here at church, in these walls, in this hour. If I'm looking for the sacred, for the holy, for the beautiful, I happen to think that this is a pretty good place to start, a pretty good place to start the search because I do experience the holy here. Some of the most beautiful things I have seen and felt and heard have been in worship. But God's presence, God's holy presence, God's gifts of beauty in the world are certainly not limited to what happens here. How do we know that's true? Well, think about the most beautiful thing you have seen recently. The thing that made you certain that divine love is powerfully at work in the world. What was it? Where was it? About a week ago, as I was privileged to listen into part of a FaceTime conversation between two people who love each other but couldn't be together at that moment because of a crisis of illness, the moment, the interaction, was heartbreakingly beautiful. 
This past Monday, when I watched my daughter head off across the Penn State campus with her cousin as they walked away from me, they leaned in close to each other to laugh together about something. It struck me as a beautiful moment. Their laughter, in particular, was beautiful. This morning, when the children were standing here doing the motions of that song as Brian sang and Luann led them, you know that was maybe the most beautiful thing you have seen this week. Think about the most beautiful thing you've seen recently, the thing that made you certain that divine love is powerfully at work in the world. What was it? Where was it? It doesn't have to be here. It could be here. It could be an expression of music in worship, something that happened last week or this week or next week, something that will spark you to say, yes, that is beautiful. Or there will be a situation that you observe this coming week where someone helps someone else and you're just a bystander. But you will feel like you were part of it because it touched your heart. Or there will be a moment when you watch a child who is stretching to the next stage. Or maybe when a friend shows up just when you need them. Or it could be a moment in the natural world, a stunning sunset, the stars in the sky. Or it might be the most genuine smile ever on someone else's face. And it happens this week. And you will say, yes, that was divinely beautiful. That was truly lovely. The list of examples could go on. You just have to open your eyes, your mind, your heart to see, to understand, to feel the blessed expression of the holy, the blessed gift of presence, the beauty of divine love is all around you. It is lovely. It is here within these walls and within, and within this hour, and it's out there, out in the world, out in the moments and touches that will come your way this week. Can you see it? Wherever it is, whenever it is, God is there. The holy is present. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. Amen.